Hey everybody, Leighton from Leighton Night here. Just want to give you a little warning that this episode is really gross. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't mean for it to be that way. It just kind of ended up being about like medical stuff and things. Yeah, there's a lot of discussion about like some kind of gross medical stuff, like bad injuries we've gotten. Basically all of this to say, if you're sensitive to that kind of stuff, maybe skip this one. And because two episodes are dropping at once, maybe just listen to the other one <laughs> or listen to this one and then use that one as a palate cleanser because that one's decidedly not gross. And if this is your first episode ever you're listening to, don't let it be that. This is a bad example of what we normally talk about. Yeah, please get out of here. Go. <laughs> Go listen to the Anthony Carboni one is great. Jory, my wife, Rachel, like there's a lot of really fun, light episodes out there. Not that this episode isn't funny. We're definitely belaboring it at this point because that's what we do. But don't let this be your first episode. Well, but maybe if we hype it up as being bad enough, everything will be, will be yeah. like, this is less, this is like when somebody comes over to your house and you haven't cleaned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it, this is a great fun episode. It's just a little grosser than we normally go in terms of medical stuff. So if that's your thing, enjoy you sick fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for listening to Layton Night. Uh, how are you doing today, Brian? I am, as I feel like we all have to say, fine, comma, considering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. How are you? Uh, I woke up at noon and I ate a hot dog for breakfast, which honestly, I think that's how I started our <laughs> other episode. <laughs> that's just where I exist. The, you know, that's a small accomplishment, though, because I did eat breakfast. So little little victories here. Technically, you know, hot dog brunch, I suppose. Oh, it's 2 p.m. How the fuck is it 2 God, time is fake. It's not real. That's an excellent hipster band name, Hot Dog Brunch. Hot Dog Brunch, yeah. Honestly, where, where are the hot dogs? Like, we've had every other food turned into a bougie thing by Los Angeles, you know. You want an acai bowl, uh, uh, taco or something? Why, why do we not have gourmet hot? Actually, you know what? I'm saying that Worst Kush exists. You ever yeah. go to Worst Kush? I, I've never been, but I've wanted to go. Oh, baby. They got that rattlesnake sausage. I've heard it's great. Yeah, very good. Those, those fries are like my favorite fries. They're just like bigger than your finger. There's some, we've had a bunch of great hot dogs. I know we've talked about it on, on this podcast before, but the they're far from gourmet, but they're, they're awesome. Carney's, Carney's hot dogs are great. Uh, and also... I'm a Pink's fan. Like, it's kind of a cliche because it became this sort of bro-y thing after it was in, like, what, Tarantino? It was in Reservoir Dogs or something. I can't even remember. But uh, it's fucking great. Like, they're good hot dogs. I've never been to Pink's. In New Jersey, I'm curious if you had this. I think it's like a Jersey thing. There was a, a concept called a Texas wiener. Have you heard about this? <laughs> no. Yeah. So, you know, every different regions of the country have their own takes on hot dogs. Like in Michigan, they have like Coney Island dogs or Coney dogs or whatever. In New Jersey, they had the thing. It was basically a chili dog, but they called it a Texas wiener. And there was this place, I think it's still there, called Macabre's in, it's probably technically Wayne, but Pompton Lakes where I grew up, that made the best Macabre's Texas wiener. You'd go in and you'd be like, I want two hot dogs all the way. And they'd give you these like amazing chili dogs with diced onions and mustard and the chili saw. Oh, so great. 
I love him. I love him so much. I'm I'm like not a, a, a chili dog kind of person. I just like really I want minimal wetness on the hot dog. I like a thick coating of cheese and that's about it. I don't like to put anything else on it. As you know, not a cheese fan, so I don't want cheese on my dog. Not interested. Of course. Yeah. I was talking to Aaron and I and a bunch of uh, tour boys were playing DBD the other night. and uh, <laughs> Yeah, I heard you because I was playing Stardew Valley with two of the other twerp boys in JP. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> and occasionally we hear Meowch go, oh, ow. <laughs> yeah. We played like one round with Hav and he was like, you know what? I got I to gotta swap out because I'm going to go play Stardew Valley, which, you know, seemed like a big, big 180. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Meowch had some uh, rough, rough plays on that one. He's, yeah. uh, he's very good. And the combination of like ranks in our team now, because I'm like, rank nine survivor and he's rank four and and now we're getting placed against killers who are just really good to the point where like the match is over in five minutes and it's like okay well we're all fucked <laughs> so is is it you meowch sung and aaron yeah um have and also vernon you know we all just kind of swap out it, it's it's very great sung and meowch have their yoda puppets and they just <laughs> we're, we're all drinking and you know, they're just seeing what sorts of horrible faces they can make on the Yoda puppets. But I, I went outside to uh, do a little pull on a joint deru. Nice. Which, oh, I'm never calling. I'm never calling it a joint deru again. That sucks. Uh, but I came back in and you know, no headphones on, and I just see full screen two Yodas. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 a beautiful time to be a gamer. Yeah, it's 2020, best year ever. What was the last movie that you saw in theaters? Uncut Gems is a strong possibility, and that would have been around Christmas. I saw it with Vernon and my dad when my dad was visiting, like around New Year's-ish uh -huh. at uh, Alamo Draft House. You know, starting at the beginning of March, that's when all this started. And it's not implausible. I didn't see anything in January or February. So yeah, it might have been Uncut Gems. Was that the last one for you, too? I wanted to believe that that was it, but I realized, no, it was not. I went with a friend of the show, Will Wiesenfeld, to go see the new Grudge movie in January. And that was the last thing that I saw in theaters. Oh, that's right. I remember you telling me about that. Yes. Oh, very bad. Not good. Oh, I miss Alamo Drafthouse so much. That's just movie nerd paradise. It's like, oh, you're going to give me a cocktail based on Parasite? Sure, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Let me pay too much money for this. I've been, let's see. So I've been to the original in Austin, and that, which I think is the original, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I went to one in El Paso when we were nearby recording an album a couple of years ago. That's where I saw Thor Ragnarok, and I've never been, so I've never been to the Alamo Draft House downtown here. Is it great? Oh, it's fucking amazing. It's so good, and it's very, it's, you know, like a 10-minute drive from where I am. I had never been to one before. When I was a kid, there was this place in Wilmington called the Cinema Grill that was a very similar kind of deal, mm. and it was apparently poorly managed, so it shut down very quickly, but as a kid, that was like magic. You go see Spy Kids 2 and eat chicken fingers? <laughs> Fuck Yeah. But now this is like being an adult, get fried pickles and munch quietly while you listen to some birth movies death guy talk about, I don't know, <laughs> the, something or other. And then you watch Uncut Gems and you, you just don't know that that's the, it's the last time for a long time. It took me a second to parse what you were saying. And I thought you were saying uh, to listen to some birth movies death guy. And I was like, what's a birth movie and what kind of role is their death guy? And then, then I then I parsed it correctly. I was like, oh yes, yes, yes. Birth movies, death guy. But I would, <laughs> you know, it's it would not be out of character for you to go see some, you know, horrible film about childbirth where there's a role 
entitled Death Guy. Yeah, birth movies, Death Guy. That's yeah. <laughs> that's basically a Serbian film, it's essentially. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know, I know why I was thinking about this. The past few days, you know, I've, as I've mentioned on the show, I've barely been watching anything because I do not have the attention span for it. But I was watching, um, I'm not a pimple popper video person. Those, I can, I can take a lot of stuff, but those repulse me. Mm-hmm. But now I'm into watching drainage of subungual hematomas. Subungual? Spell that? S-U-B-U-N-G-U-A-L? So, uh, hold on. Let me see if I can guess, knowing what I know. So, an ungulate is a hooved animal. But I don't know what the root ungule is. Uh, So, a hematoma is like a a swelling, right? So, what is it under? Is it under the hoof of an animal? Is that... Or under your foot? I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's human. Okay. Is it, is it a brain thing? No, but you're close with the hooves. Oh, is it? Okay. So is it a foot thing? No. Okay. <laughs> of course you went for a foot thing. <laughs> is it? Okay. Let me think. Nails? Fingernails? Toenails? Yeah, it's nails. It, it, it's having, if, like if you smash your fingernail or your finger, it's when you get a blood blister underneath your nail. Oh, gross. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like the pressure is really bad because there's no way to relieve it because it's under your nail. And so to drain the blister, they have to take like a really superheated piece of metal or a drill and uh, poke it through and then it drains it. Uh, it's fucking disgusting. <laughs> well, so I actually have a relevant story about this. Uh, in when would this have been? 2009, 2010-ish, I went to Brazil for, it was like a week and a half, two weeks to lecture. It's like the spring school on string theory and supergravity, and they'll bring in international lecturers or whatever, and then have like a week of specialized topics for like advanced grad students or whatever. So I was invited to lecture on my field in this tiny little town, Campino Grande. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong in Brazil. And it was like kind of middle of nowhere from what I was led to believe. Like it took fucking forever uh, to get there. Okay. So we're in this tiny little town, middle of nowhere in Brazil. And I'm like preparing my lectures. It was in like some kind of conference center. And I needed to like sit in this little to call it a cafe would even be an overstatement. It was like a little area in this conference center with some tables and I had to use my laptop. So I, I look for an outlet and I look for a table and the outlets are on like one side of the room and the tables are on the other. And I was like, no big deal. I'll just like move the table over. And these tables are these, it was like a, a pedestal and then a concrete slab for a top. So I pick up a table and I move it over to the outlet and I set it down. Only what I didn't know was that the, giant concrete slab on the top of the table was not attached to the pedestal. And so I had picked up this giant slab and I'm holding it like you would, you know, hands on either side, fingers underneath. And it just goes down all the way to the floor with my hands underneath it. And I crush three or four of my fingers, like just the top knuckle. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? Anyway, so long story short, I broke, not like seriously, but broke, three fingers and my fingernails did or my fingers did exactly the thing you're talking about where they yeah. swelled up to crazy. It was like this whole fucking thing. Cause they had to like take me to an emergency room in Brazil. Like I, the organizers, I don't speak Portuguese, but they like came along with me and mm-hmm. you know, they took me to like a decent place and all this stuff. I was supposed to go to like Sao Paulo after that. And I just said, fuck it. I'm just going to go home. 
I mean, not for fun, but like for physics, I was going to go. Yeah. Do some work. <laughs> not for fun, for physics. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and I just had these like, you know, huge blobby, like cartoonish, uh, top knuckles. <laughs> and the crazy thing I learned was that I had them re x-rayed here and they were like, yeah, you don't put splints on those. Like it's a top knuckle. It's super stable. Just leave it. You'll be fine. And so literally the only advice was like, yeah, just like, don't use your fingers for a bit. And they didn't do anything. Easy, you know. No bandages, no nothing. Just like, yep, you got some broken fingers. Jeez. And I was freaked out because of piano and stuff. Actually, this is, you know, wall. It was after Danny and I had started NSP, so I had to take a little bit off playing. And it's totally fine. I've got sort of a fucked up fingernail that kind of bends the wrong way now, but that's it. That's the only... Interesting. Yeah. In, in what way does it bend the wrong way? It's, uh, it doesn't quite curve. So when I go to clip it with a nail clipper, the curvature doesn't match the curvature of the nail clipper. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's not like a big deal at all. It's like totally pain-free. I can play type, you know, as I normally did, but it definitely like when I go to clip, it's the middle finger in my right hand, which I use a lot for my work. Uh, and it like, when I go to clip it, whatever it just doesn't quite clip the right way huh yeah i have a um my ring finger on my right hand is like permanently bowed like it oh yeah it curves inward and i have a huge callus like you showed me this yeah because it, it's my drawing hand but right. but my nail is like uh, it's almost like a tent shape because that's where i've been holding my pencil my huh. entire life so, so the older like that i get the more that it curves in that's wild. So I'm sure that's not going to give me any problems or pain later in life. <laughs> no, here's the thing about getting older, Layton. Everything just gets better all the time. Oh, yeah. Nothing hurts. The pain starts going away. Your body actually optimizes. <laughs> that's right. At about 50. Oh, perfect. I was bringing up the subungual hematomas because I was going to ask, what is the most painful injury that you've ever gotten? Well, so the, this finger thing was the only time I've ever broken a bone. And that was a really minor one. And so it wasn't even that painful like i haven't gotten that badly injured probably the the closest would be i like it was a couple of years ago i stepped off a, i was exercising and i stepped off a treadmill wrong and kind of twisted my ankle in a way that Ugh. like took a little bone chip out or something and that was pretty painful but i've been really lucky like i really haven't had any major injuries so yeah the probably it's either the finger thing which hurt after or the that ankle thing, but they they're all pretty pretty minor. What about you? I'd say the the first one that comes to mind in terms of it just having to be a consistent thing is that I've like consistently had really bad uterus problems. So before I was on like you know maintenance birth control stuff, that mm -hmm. like period cramps when you have shit wrong with your body are the worst in the world. Like I have nearly blacked out from them before. Oh my god, from the pain. Yes, from how painful it was. I remember being in high school and I, I was in my meanest teacher's English class taking a test and I just like, I had to go up, I was terrified of her and I had to go up and be like, I don't feel well. And she she was a real piece of work, but even she was like, oh, you look like you're going to pass out. And she dragged me to like, you know, the principal's office and I was just lying on the floor waiting for somebody to, you know, my friend's mom to come pick me up and take me home. Mm -hmm. And I was so like delirious from the pain. I was just on the ground moaning, staring at a ceiling, like the type of ceiling tiles that you have in a school. And I was just thinking, oh my God, I made a really offensive joke earlier and this is God punishing me. I'm going to die. <laughs> Oh, that's uh, awful. So, so 
I think the one that was worse than that, and the only time I've ever involuntarily screamed from something being painful, it was relatively recent. I had, um, I think I was going to GDC and, you know, I, I like to be economical about when I pack things. I'm a big proponent of packing cubes and, you know, I keep mm-hmm. my dop kit with all my makeup and toothpaste and all that shit. But I was using some like travel, like teeth whitening bleach or something or other. And so it was in my bag. I would just gotten home and I was uh, doing my makeup to go to work. And I had just done like, you know, spent a really long time on eyeshadow and I was getting ready to do the eyelash curler on my eyes, put the eyelash curler up, crimped my eyelashes really. And I pressed really hard on that stuff, which you shouldn't do, but whatever, you got to do it for the aesthetic. Anyway, I was like, hmm, why is this gooey? Uh, And then I looked down and the entire, the the tube of teeth bleach had busted open in the bag and the eyelash curler was covered in it. And I just shoved it in my (gasps) eye and I had that three seconds of realizing what I had just done before it started burning. Oh God. So I had bleach in my eye. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I could not see. I was like, oh, I just fucking blinded myself and I screamed like it was so awful because you, you know, I was rubbing it. I was flushing it with water. It wouldn't go away because it was up under my eyelid. Like both. Oh my God. It was so bad. I took pictures afterwards and it was just, my eye was bright fucking red. I remember that picture now. I forgot the story that led up to it, (laughs) but I remember that picture. Yeah. (laughs) Very, very, very bad. So I hope just eye injuries in general are not, I, I don't like that one. Even just like getting an ingrown eyelash is hell. You had that whole crazy story about going to the hospital. Where was it? <laughs> yeah, so I'm happy to talk about it here. I, I, I <sighs> this is one of the wildest things I've ever heard. So I, I don't remember any of the details, and I'm very excited to relive this vicariously. Oh yeah, so I've I've never posted about this on social media because it was one of the worst things that I've ever been through and it was because I had gone to a convention in another country and the convention was so lovely and the people who ran it were lovely and I just did not want to put them on blast in any way because it wasn't their fault in any way. But the story is so fucking funny and awful. So here we go. I was invited to go speak at a game conference that was in Central America and you know, it was it was a really Super fun all week. My my talk wasn't scheduled until the last day of the conference, and so I was really nervous all week. I did not have the foresight to brush up on my Spanish before I went, so there was a lot of, like, you know, communication barrier kind of stuff and sort of the, like, more lax attitude towards time. So there were a lot of things where they were miscommunicated. So basically, it was kind of just, like, it was fun. It was lovely. Food was amazing. Just kind of a stressful week leading up to the to the day. Yeah. The hotel room that they had put me up in, it was raining all week and there was a leak in the ceiling. And so the entire week, my bathroom had like about an inch of standing water on the floor. <laughs> and I just didn't want to bother them about it. So I was like, you know what? This is fine. Um, but it was cold water. And so I'd go into the bathroom and just be like, okay, this is fine. The day of the talk comes around. I wake up at like five in the morning. And I guess speaking of, of like period cramp stuff, I was like, oh, am I just on my period and having a really bad one? Because this is so fucking painful. And I was lying in bed and then I started vomiting uncontrollably Ugh. and just like, by the way, this story is going to be very TMI. Worst diarrhea <laughs> I've ever had. Like full, full, just like liquid. It was not, and it was like having to do the back and forth between just both ends and then me kneeling in an inch of standing water. And I was like, oh, holy fuck, my talk is, is, is it for, I have to get over this. Cause this is the whole reason, like, you know, they paid to fly me out and put me up. And this is the whole reason I'm here. So I can do this talk that I worked so hard on. Yeah. 
and you know the day's going by i'm keeping up with the organizers and i'm like hey i just wanted to let you know i should be able to do the talk but i'm really really sick and um basically this has been all day like i am fucked up it is the most sick i've ever been in my life like awful painful cramps nausea can't stop vomiting you know it's awful and so we get to the talk. I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I'm so fucking sick. This is the most sick I've ever been. I can't do this. Um, and they're like, okay, we'll send a doctor to your room. Eventually the doctor shows up um, and checks me out and is like- And you're just there like in misery waiting for someone to come help you. In complete misery waiting. Yeah. And I'm in like pajamas still. So it's like super short shorts and like a ch- like to the point where like they were like, do you, do you have pants? Do you want, do you want to put on pants? I'm like, no, even if I didn't have pants on, put me out of this misery. And they're like, oh, okay. So this is really easy to fix. So we can just take you to a doctor real quick and we can give you a shot and it'll go away. And I was like, yes, please God, literally anything. And I'm super woozy. So they have to like drag me out to the car. They put me in and uh, we drive for a really long time. And I'm like, so we're going to the doctor, right? And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We show up to the emergency room and they're checking me in and there's like a big problem for some reason, I guess, because I was an American or whatever. But they finally take me back to a room and they hand me a hospital gown and they're like, we need you to put this on. And I was like, wait, wait, what are you? I thought we were just getting a shot. And they're like, no, you need to be here overnight. We need to get you on the IV now. So I do it. They start shoving shit in me. They give me a bunch of pills and I'm like, what? Sorry, what's going on? And they're like, so you have cholera. And I was like, "I'm so, hold on. Oh I have cholera. Oh my god! You're saying cholera, like the Oregon Trail, cholera, and they're like, yes. Yeah. And you, <laughs> exact quote. We need to rehydrate you now through this IV because if you had stayed in your hotel room for even several hours longer, you would have died alone in your hotel room. Oh my god! Like literally the exact phrasing of you would have died alone in the hotel room just sticks with me. And I was like, um, holy shit. I, uh, I, I have, me- I have to take medication. I have medication back in my room. I need my phone charger. Like you guys didn't tell me that I was going to be here overnight. The doctor was like, Oh, what kind of pills are you on? We can send somebody to go get it for you. And I was like, I- I'm on like 400 milligrams of antidepressants. I really need them. And he was like, Oh, you're depressed. We can fix that. <sighs> and so oh God. Oh God. I- I'm hooked up to the IV, which doesn't feel great. Like getting rehydrated through IV feels very bad. There's like a big window overlooking mountains in my room and the doctor, like everybody else leaves and the doctor is standing there like hands behind his back, wistfully staring out in the mountains. And he proceeds to spend the next hour while I'm literally having a panic attack and just crying. So I'm like, oh, I'm in a foreign country. Nobody knows I'm here and I can't communicate with any of the staff and I don't know what's happening and I'm about to die, I guess. But he starts lecturing me about how depression isn't real. Oh my uh, God. And that it's easy to fix. I forgot this part. I totally forgot this part. Yeah, he's asking me if I if I go out, if I party, if I have a boyfriend, like if I just had a boyfriend, everything would be fine. Like he said that. Yes, and I was like, okay, I can we get like another nurse or or something in here? And after you know several me being like, hi, so I'm I'm can I can I just sleep? Will you let me sleep? Anyway, so he leaves and then, you know, the nurses keep coming back in and like it's always a new one. So I can't really communicate with them. And they just come up and put a new thing in my IV. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck that is. Uh, And there was a certain point where they did that. And it felt 
really fucked up. You know, the icy, icy cold going through your veins feeling. I know it. Yep. Yep. They sent a very sweet girl from the convention to sort of translate with me, but she also wasn't like super fluent in English. So there was kind of like a lot of back and forth. But I, I immediately was like, hey, was that one supposed to feel like really fucked up? Why do I feel fucked up? And she went back and forth like very aggressively with the nurse for a couple of minutes. And she was basically just like, yeah. And so that's the point where I had to call my parents and be like, hey, so don't freak out. I'm in the hospital in Mexico and I almost died. I have cholera. Of cholera. And they were like, cholera? (laughs) I was like, yes, that's what they said. And then at a certain point on the phone with my mom, I start laughing hysterically. And she thinks that I'm sobbing. And, you know, by this point, I had not realized that the thing that they gave me was probably morphine or a morphine adjacent thing because I was in a lot of pain. Anyway, so I'm in the hospital overnight. That's a thing. At a certain point, they make me take a shower. And because I had an IV thing, they just had like a very sweet elderly woman who I could not communicate with come in and just hose me down with a cold shower thing while I'm naked. Uh, (laughs) Which was at this point, I'm like, "Ah, why am I here? What happened? What's going on? Eventually, they discharged me. But as the doctor's doing the final like checkout, you know, he looks in my mouth and I like lift up my tongue and he's like, oh, and I was like, oh, wait, oh, and he goes, you have an STD. And I was like, excuse me? What? What? He was like, you have an STD. And I was like, which, which one? And he was like, oh, it's very common. And I said, which one? And he was like, you'll be fine. And then he left and I got wheeled out and I went back to the convention and I laid down in my hotel room and I guess they brought me soup. And I just was like, oh, I still feel like death. And I was supposed to go home the next day. Anyway, so what the dude thought was STDs, I forget what they're called. They're the danglies that are under your tongue. That uh-huh. are, um, oh, I forget what they're called, but there's a name for them. And they're a normal thing to have and not a fucking STD. This guy sounds like an, an idiot. He sucked. And apparently several other people got sick and had to go to the hospital and they had the same doctor and they pretty much all had the same experience. Wow. And, you know, the people at the convention were so sweet and really helpful, but they kept they clearly were trying to do damage control. And they were like, you, you'll you'll come back, right? Like you're you're having a good time. I'm like, it's not the convention is fine. This is great. But please let me sleep. Uh, and then, you know, when I got back to get on the plane to go home, I, um, I had lost my immigration card or whatever, and they very nearly didn't let me on the plane. Oh my God. My voice just completely broke. And I was like, you're telling me I can't go home. And they're like, okay, okay, okay. You can go, you can go. It's fine. So I've never been more relieved to get back home. And then my bosses at the time, actually both of my bosses sent me separate cakes that said, sorry for the cholera on them. (laughs) So... Got some cakes out of it. Did the other people at the convention who got sick also have cholera? I made a friend there who I guess she didn't get sick until she got back home, but it was also cholera. <laughs> cholera is it's is it's, it's a waterborne bacterial thing, is that right? It's uh when feces comes in contact with food or water that you consume. So it was an issue with the catering. Yum. Oh yeah, awesome. So, yeah, there were lovely people. It was a lovely convention. I truly don't want, you know, anybody to think that it's a, a, because everybody else has had great experiences with it. So it should not reflect on them at all. But like the moment I got back, I hit up my therapist and was like, hi, uh, I'm having like flashbacks that I need to, I need to uh, almost died, et cetera. 
so yeah, that's that's my story of getting a cholera in Mexico. And the funniest part of it, I don't maybe I'll post this. I don't know because it's just too funny. But I have a Pixel, like a Google phone, and so if you go on a trip, it'll make like a fun little montage of your pictures from the trip and set it to some upbeat music. And at a certain point, it was like. Here's a here's a clip from your trip to Mexico and it's like really really upbeat music and it's like oh here's me in a museum here's me at the convention oh cute selfie and then it's me sitting in front of the toilet crying <laughs> like <laughs> progressing into a video clip of me crying in a hospital bed <laughs> still with upbeat music that is like something from a Judd Apatow movie like that like a little montage <laughs> of extreme suffering <laughs> set to like happy ukulele music or whatever. Yeah. Oh, like a thump and bass line. Yeah, yeah. So it was a horrible, horrible, horrible experience. The song that would accompany that would be Hey Soul Sister by Train. That's what would accompany <laughs> that montage. Okay. Continue. Yeah. So it was a horrible experience. I was 21 at the time and having to grapple with, oh, I almost died. But it's a great fucking story. I got the Oregon Trail disease and I lived, bitch. It's a great story. That's up there in the worst pain, too. And I guess worst fear as well. I love everything about that story, except that it happened. So. Yeah, yeah, me too. Because <laughs> sometimes, like, anytime something really terrible happens to me, I'm like, oh, this is going to be such a good story later. Yeah, of course. Like, that's the that's the only consolation you can really take with things like that. Give this two years and it'll be awesome. It will be great to have lived through this once I can look back on it. Vernon went to a protest to be a street medic this week and he got arrested. Yeah. He was mostly in touch with me throughout it. He's fine. He got out and he's fine. Um, and he got tested for COVID. He's totally fine. Doesn't have it. But while we were talking, like I, I was keeping in touch with him and at a certain point he was like, well, I'm about to get arrested. Uh, and as we were talking about it at a certain point, like, you know, they clearly took his phone away and all that stuff. <laughs> and the entire time I was like trying to keep everybody else posted, like, hey, Vernon got arrested. He's fine. We're working on it. And pretty much all of us were like, oh, he's going to love telling this story later. Like if, if that's one thing, he's going to be stoked about this. <laughs> For sure. I, I texted you about this, but I haven't talked about it. I also got a COVID test for the first time. And it wasn't too bad. I thought it was going to be awful. And it was merely not great. So <laughs> like, and it's not because of symptoms or anything. I, That's a great attitude. Yeah. I had a doctor's appointment and as just as like a precaution, they, uh, you know, required a COVID test before going into the office. So I had one and, you know, results 24 hours negative as expected. But like, I, for some reason, <laughs> I don't know why I thought this. I thought, so I did the nasal swap. I thought the rod they used was going to be rigid rather than flexible. So I just had this, you know, I thought they were going to stick this like, I don't know, like kind of very stiff, like Q-tippy type thing rather than yeah. a little flexible rod with a little pipe cleaner thing on it. But yeah, I was surprised. It could have been a lot worse. Yeah, I was watching some videos of, uh, you know, sometimes I like to troll. This is actually how I found the sub subungal hematoma videos, but r slash make me suffer. Okay, I'm going to look at this right now. Yeah, yeah, go do it. Actually, what's what's top on make me suffer today? Um, but there was one that was like removing nasal stents from somebody and like just watching that was awful because it's like, how does that even fit in there? Nasal stent. Oh, God. All right. I can't look at this. This is too upsetting. Oh, oh, it's only it's not all medical stuff. Okay. It's not all medical stuff, but it's, it's pretty, pretty not good. Egg pizza with banana and fish. It's not a good sub. 
Um, if, if any of you are squeamish or don't want to see just generally disturbing stuff, don't go there. But if you're a sick fuck and it's 2 a.m. and you just want to feel something, uh, you know, hit it up. I will say I do like the pimple popper videos. I'm all in. I'm all in for them. Really? I think they're great. The one, the, the one lady who is generally Dr. I think that's her name, Dr. Pimple Popper. Dr. Pimple Popper. I think she's great. MD. Uh, I love what she does. She does excellent work. Clearly, she's very, she's just a good host, I think. She has a so, great like bedside manner and all that. Clearly, like she seems just like a real sweetheart of a person. Uh, I like the way she talks through what's going on and deals with her, yeah, their bedside manner. I think she's great. And I could watch that shit all day. <laughs> I'm very selective about it, like you know, earwax removal videos are really great. Like I like those a lot, but just sometimes like blood, sure, can totally handle it. Like gory medical procedure stuff does not bother me. For some reason, like blackhead extraction is a big no. I'm cool with that. I like chiropractor videos a lot. It's same with like the bedside manner. Oh God, no, thank you. (laughs) No, not doing it. The crunches or I I know you have thoughts on chiropractic quote unquote medicine, but before I forget the chiropractic story, real quick, uh, tonsil stones. You into tonsil stones? No, hold on. Do you know what a tonsil stone is? Do I want a tonsil stone? It's not like gory, but it's definitely <clears throat> gross. Look up tonsil stone removal videos. They fuck, they're great. I was definitely watching some nasal cyst removals just because I'm fantasizing about when I'll actually be able to get that done. And those were like, oh, that must feel so good. Okay, I don't like this. I don't, mm, mm. Mm, no, sir. Do you have tonsils? I think so. I've never had them out, so I assume so. I had awful strep throat problems constantly as a kid, and I got them out when I was like six. Wow. Most of what I remember from it, I had never had to get a, uh, a any sort of medical procedure done, so I was very terrified. And uh, beforehand, they gave me some quote-unquote silly juice, oh, which I, I'm still curious what was in it. What an upsetting name. Yeah, right. Silly juice. That, that was some sort of... The, the good stuff, as one might say, but I'm really curious what it was, like what the procedure for giving it to a kid, because I'm assuming as an adult, they would just inject you with it. But yeah, uh, after that, drinking or eating anything sucks. Oh, I Surprise. Bet. Yeah. And did it help? Did like, did you get less strep? Oh yeah. I've never had strep since. I was reading that apparently now they don't, or at least some doctors don't prescribe antibiotics for strep anymore because they're worried about building up antibiotic resistance. Oh, interesting. I don't know if this is a universally agreed upon thing. My sister had the same thing where she got strep like all the time growing up. I got it occasionally and it was always antibiotics. I remember reading somewhere, and I could be wrong about this as with all medical things, but maybe they're prescribing antibiotics less than they used to, which is interesting. Interesting. What were you going to say about um, chiropractors? Yes. Okay. So here's my chiropractor story. This is all medical stories. I am very excited about this episode of the podcast. (laughs) It's like, hey guys, you didn't you didn't get an episode last week. Here's two. One of them's happy fun time. The other one's just <laughs> medical nightmare. So, okay, here's my chiropractor story. By the way, I'm gonna say up front, there are a wide range of chiropractors. Some are pseudoscientific charlatans who believe that chiropractic medicine can cure everything. That I strongly disagree with because it's not true. And then there are like the, there's another kind of chiropractor, which are kind of just like PTs. So I'm saying up front, there's a wide range of chiropractors. Some are terrible. Some are great. My general stand of chiropractic medicine is that I don't really know enough about it, but it certainly is not like 
it's not going to cure depression or things like that, which some chiropractors claim it will. That seems clear. Yeah. The, the pure like physical therapy, like sort of massage therapist ones are, are pretty fucking great. I say that as somebody who has a lot of back problems where it's just like, oh, you get that crack. That's all I'm here for. I actually, I've seen a chiropractor recently because a trainer that I used to work with, she was like, and she's very science-minded. She's like, I know what you're going to say, chiropractor, but this guy like is an anatomy expert and he's basically a PT, so you got to see him. And and he lit, like literally up front was like, I don't do adjustments. I'm not that kind of chiropractor. So that's the kind of chiropractor that I'm here for. The adjustments, I, I'm really not an expert in this, and so I'm always reluctant to say anything, but it's from what I understand, there are risks that people should be aware of and just got to be careful. So when I moved to San Diego in 1998, I was moving there for grad school and I was kind of, you know, at a, like basically was moving across the country for grad school slash to be with my girlfriend who lived there. And we were driving around La Jolla and after getting her car washed, we drove out of this car wash and there was someone standing outside the car wash offering hour long massages for 50 bucks with a chiropractic consultation. And we were like, 50 bucks for a massage? Great. So <laughs> we took it. So we each, we each did it. And I went to this. And the deal was, of course, you have to get the chiropractic consultation before you get the massage, right? You know. So I go to the chiropractor's office, chiropractor in La Jolla. And I don't even remember the name, but I wouldn't say it even if I did. And I'm in like first year grad school, like I'm studying all the time. So I have my, one of my uh, quantum textbooks with me and I like sit in the waiting room and then they bring me back. And before I see the doctor, there was like a PR person <laughs> whose job it was to advocate for chiropractic medicine. And this was a very like, you know, professional looking middle-aged woman. And she was handing me all these pamphlets about subluxations and chiropractors and all this stuff. Like I could tell this was like, I didn't really know anything about chiropractic medicine at that point, but I could tell it was like, I was like, this is weird. How many doctors do you go to that have like, you know, a hype man? And <laughs> so at some point she goes, you know, Brian, normally your body only functions at 40% of capacity. Oh no. And I was like, oh, actually, finally a number. So I said, okay, that's that's actually really interesting. I'm just curious, how do you measure that? Like 40% of what? And I'd been like annoying her with questions this whole time, which she did not appreciate. And so when I say 40% of what, she gets totally fed up and she looks at me like I'm a complete idiot. And she goes, uh, 40% of 100%. <laughs> oh God. And I was just, I was like, okay, I officially have no faith in you anymore. Literally the dumbest answer you could have possibly given me. <laughs> I'm, I, I like whatever happens next, I want my massage. And <laughs> so I actually did, I ended up going to see the doctor and did get a like very small chiropractic adjustment just cause I was like, fuck it. I paid for it. I didn't know the risks at that point. I wish in retrospect, I hadn't done it. It didn't hurt me at all. Like it was totally fine. But ever since then, I've been really suspicious of chiropractors and to some extent with good reason, because, you know, some of them aren't great and they can do real damage. Some of them are fantastic and are, you know, are good doctors. But you just got to be careful with that stuff. As with any profession. 
Yeah, for sure. Some people are shitters. Some people are not. Yeah. Okay. So no more medical chat. Yeah. I have a huge framed picture of a skull above my desk. And, you know, sometimes I just kind of stare into those holes <laughs> contemplate existence. How many framed things of skulls do I have? I have a really big one there. And then I also have like an anat. You've never been in my apartment, right? No. Okay. Yeah. I have another big like gold frame, like um, anatomy of the skeleton and muscle thing. And then I have another, I have one of a heart. And then I have another one where it's a lady stabbing herself through a tit. And then I have an- <laughs> another one where a lady's cutting herself open. And actually I have a lot. Of- Maybe I should do something about that. <laughs> What? Cut down on the number of skeleton things? Yeah. Actually, no, it's an aesthetic. I'm committed to it. It's fine. I have at least one classy painting of a woman who does not have her boobs out or any sort of injuries on her. Hey, congratulations. I'm really happy for you. But I found it in the trash. Yeah. (laughs) I pulled it out of a dumpster. So, you know, (laughs) it's probably haunted. (laughs) How many things in my home did I pull from dumpsters? I refuse to answer the question. I feel like with with stuff like that, we have things that are like vaguely adjacent to it, like maybe a couple of Nightmare Before Christmas things is the closest we're going to mm-hmm. get. But especially with a kid, why is she doing that? Why is she stabbing herself? Why is she stabbing her booby? <laughs> yeah, what's what's <laughs> happening to what's happening to her booby milk? Is a baby going to drink that? Would that baby get sad? And you're like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> we were driving, and and we've been talking about it to this Audrey a little bit too. Uh, there was a guy with a Black Lives Matter sign, and Audrey said, "What does that say?" And so we talked about it, and we talked about what's going on with you know the police and racism, and at the level that a kindergartner, excuse me, she graduated a first grader. Yeah, she's six now, Brian. What the fuck? She would get so mad at you for saying that. Oh, I, I can't call her a kindergartner anymore. Friday was the last day of kindergarten, but the conversation started out with like brief history of racism and some things about the police. And then she started talking about Star Wars. You know, we were basically trying to tell her that, you know, the cops can are not necessarily forces for good all the time. And th- her brain immediately went to the stormtroopers shooting at Han and Luke and Leia. And we were like, actually, that's not a terrible analogy. You know, it's missing the racism component, but the fact that the authorities cannot be on your side. Yes, that's what's going on in Star Wars. Cut to five minutes later where Audrey's like, so should you punch a baby? And we were like, okay, <laughs> I, think, I, I think I think we kind of got off the track of this discussion here. Can you punch a baby? Yeah. And it's just how, you know, little kids' brains work like, they just have these little goldfish brains that just flit from one topic to the next. And the moment they see something that they recognize, like she, we definitely had a brief interlude, which was talking about Mario and Bowser and Peach for a little bit. But yeah, it ended up with, so should you punch a baby? And we were like, no, Audrey, don't punch a baby. So that's... Uh, God, God bless that child. <laughs> talking to kids, always fun. Oh, speaking of having haunted objects in your own, have I told you about my um, haunted clown glass? No, I want to hear about this. So my mom lives in Queens with my stepdad, who I will make no comment on. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thusly making a huge comment on. 
<laughs> I think my my mother would agree with me. The last time that I went to visit them, you know, they just spend a lot of time kind of driving around New York to see things. You know, they do a lot of Sunday drives. And so we went. Because I am my mother's child, she took me to go see the Amityville Horror House, the original one. Oh, nice. Which... They remodeled so, you know, it doesn't have the distinctive windows anymore. And I, uh-huh. I felt bad being the ones driving past because I'm sure they have to deal with that shit nonstop. But uh, another place that we went is there's Kings Park Mental Hospital that's in that area. It was like a huge compound with a ton of buildings that, you know, obviously is an abandoned mental hospital. And it's, it, we, we, you know, you can illegally go in there. And so we parked the car and we went and ran around and it was so fucking cool. That's awesome. I took thousands of pictures because I was like, I want to draw all of this. It's incredible. The graffiti, like everything. And of course, a couple of months later, I my phone completely reset and I lost every single one of those pictures, which I'm devastated about. Oh, no. Anyway, the, you know, the kind of thing where it was broad daylight and so all the broken windows, the light shines through. And then when you see the stairs go down, even in broad daylight, it's immediately pitch black. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. I'm looking at pictures of this now. This is awesome. Isn't it dope? Um, And we were running into other people, so it's very spooky because you hear footsteps and you're like, wait. You went inside this place? Yes. Cool. But yeah, just like there's so much stuff left, like papers everywhere, old hospital beds, pillows, uh, you know, clothes hangers. I actually took one of the clothes hangers wow. from there. Uh, but, you know, asbestos central, I didn't, none of us had masks on, so we weren't there for super long. But there was one room that was a, clearly a craft room because there were all these file cabinets knocked over and, you know, paper and supplies. But there was one shard of stained glass with a clown on it. And I was like, I, I have to take this. This has it, it, It's sort of like that double layer where there's like chicken wire between yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know why the fuck they were like, you know what this mental hospital needs? Clown glass. Clown glass. Anyway, so I have, <laughs> I have a big fat shard of clown glass in my apartment now. And, you know, if, if I own any haunted objects, that's it. That's wild. Did you watch uh, Ash versus Evil Dead? No, I didn't. They had a, an abandoned psychiatric hospital that I feel like must have been modeled on, on this place. Wow. Yeah, it was at the time where I had like down to the middle of my back black hair um, and there were some, <laughs> I walked into one of the main rooms really quietly, like ahead of my mom and stepdad. And there were a bunch of dudes in there who were like taking pictures and they all saw me and screamed because <laughs> they thought I was like some, <laughs> the ring lady wandering in. <laughs> That's awesome. I really like that. That's my dream. Oh, I can only imagine. You must have been excited about that. Oh, I was stoked. My clown glass is proudly displayed in uh, my shelf next to a book from the 70s about extraterrestrials, one of the Gundams I built, and a framed photo of Steve Buscemi that my dad got me for Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll post pictures of that on the Instagram and the Twitter and such. It's a good time. You know what I'm surprised that I've never done in my life? I can't believe I've never worked at a haunted house. That's like my dream. Yes, me too. You'd be great at it. I would love it. I would love to do that someday. I don't know how I would make it happen, but... Would you want like a normal Halloween-y haunted house or one of those like real fucked up experience ones? Both. So I won't do blackout in terms of go there just because there's sexual assault stuff. uh, And, you know... Oh, yeah, I bet. That's a good point. That's real scary, not... Let's have a good time. Scary. Like, I'll shove my hand in a vomit toilet, but I I don't want to watch that happen. No, no, no. Yeah. I would do either of them. I just want to be a creature. Like, my dream is to be a creature. You know, and they ask, like, oh, what animal would you want to be? I want to be a goblet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Brian and I just had a long discussion about this place, McCamey Manor, that 
Brian has decided is too graphic to include in the show. I'm too upset by it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to be upset, just it's, it's very extreme. It's really upsetting and graphic. So if you're interested in reading about like the extreme end of it, obviously you can find stuff that talks about it. There's uh, an episode of Dark Tourist where the guy goes into it. But yeah, we cut it out. So if you want to learn about it, you can. Otherwise, we've had enough upsetting content in this episode, so we will move the fuck on. Well, this is all to say, Layden, actually, that uh, I have a question for you, which is, Layden Gray, what's poppin'? What's poppin'? What's poppin'? What's poppin' for me is, I, I've mentioned this several times on stream and on the Discord, I have not seen the movie Donnie Darko since I was in high school. And when I was in high school, that was like my favorite movie. I rewatched it so many times. I I was the founder and president of the film club at my high school. And the first movie that I made everybody watch was Donnie Darko. Uh-huh. That tracks. And this week has just been, I don't have the attention span for things. I'm still working on my BLM commissions. So I just kind of need stuff that I like on in the background. So ultimate comfort rewatch for me is American Psycho. Throw that one on. Just great shit. And I was like, you know, I'll revisit Donnie Darko and I know I'm going to hate it now. Threw it on. Nope. Still good. I fucking love that movie. (laughs) It's amazing. It's so good. The soundtrack's amazing. It's the perfect, I'm going to argue that it's the only good 80s nostalgia kids on bikes movie. Like it captures. Oh, wow. Yeah. Tonally, because I think people treat it like, oh, it's just like pretentious and thinks it's really deep. But it's like, that's kind of the point. Every character is sort of like an oblivious idiot in a way that feels so true to being a teenager more than things being like, hey, remember this thing? It's just a really great movie. And, you know, the needle drops are great. We got some Tears for Fears in there. We got some Echo and the Bunnymen. Great performances. Like every single character actor is in that movie for some reason. Oh, yeah. Swayze. It's it's just like really delightful. And it's very um, Twin Peaksian in terms of just like sort of these alternate realities and time bending stuff. I don't know. It's just a great time. And it's super like, it's super funny. Like there were definitely jokes that hit me that I forgot about that I laughed out loud at. So, you know, highly recommend if you haven't seen it or if you haven't seen it in a while, it's just a fun watch. I saw that in the theaters. I was, uh, I was in grad school at the time, but I was doing a semester in Santa Barbara, not San Diego. And with another one of my friends from Santa Barbara, we drove down because it wasn't playing it. You know, Santa Barbara is a, a small town, and it was in very limited release. And so we drove down. I mean, this must have been 2001 when it came out. Drove down to Santa Monica, some movie theater on like the Third Street Promenade. I remember the only place we could find to eat was Johnny Rockets, which is weird because there must be a million other places. So we ate at Johnny Rockets and then went to see Donnie Darko uh, and then drove back to Santa Barbara. But it was fucking Great. And that was actually, that was the same year I also drove down to LA to see Mulholland Drive. Oh. In the theaters, because it came out at roughly the same time. I saw Mulholland Drive in some gigantic theater in Westwood. And it was one of the best movie going experiences I've ever had. Because my San Diego friend, Scott, who's also a David Lynch fan, like drove up and we met in LA. I from Santa Barbara, he from San Diego. And we found this like, huge like red velvet seat theater in Westwood and saw it there. It was fucking, and there was no one else in the theater. It was like the middle of the day. Oh, it was so great. Amazing. Yeah. I would have loved to see that in theaters. That's awesome. Oh, it's the best. Have you seen S Darko? I haven't. It's supposed to be terrible. Richard Kelly, like completely disavowed it. He had nothing to do with it, I believe. Right. Yeah. Wait, didn't he direct something else that I'm, uh, the box. Oh my God. He did the box. He did Southland tales. 
The box is wild. So the box is based on an old Twilight Zone episode, right? Yeah, I don't know if it was a short story before that, though. I feel like it's a Richard Matheson story or something. And it was definitely an old Twilight episode, Twilight Zone episode. It was 100% one in the 80s Twilight Zone. I don't know if there was one in the original Serling Twilight Zone. But I remember seeing the 80s Twilight Zone version of that story, which was called Button Button. And when the box came out, I was like, wait a minute. That sounds like (laughs) that old Twilight Zone episode. And I was like, well, that's interesting. How do you make a feature-length movie out of that? I wonder. And then you watch the movie, and you're like, what the fuck is going on? It's like, they didn't. It's insane. Like, it really goes in directions that are quite a leap. If I recall correctly, like, Cameron Diaz is doing the worst possible Boston accent. I don't even remember that. I just remember when the aliens show up. You're like, oh, what? Huh. That's interesting. I don't even remember that. Okay, so when I was in middle school, I I ran like a shitty blogspot blog, but it was called. <laughs> this is when I'm like twelve. Yay! Yay! <laughs> so it was awful, and I would draw little MS Paint comics, but I remember just fucking ragging on this movie in a review and I was drawing comics about it and I don't remember what I said, but it was just like, (laughs) just irate, precocious 12-year-old rantings. Yeah, I bet. I I don't remember anything about the movie except I remember the plot. The way they got beyond the Twilight Zone episode was that, so the idea, right, is that for those who aren't familiar with it, uh, and I, I, I'm conflating the Twilight Zone episode with the movie. I don't remember what's what. But basically, you're given a box with a button in it. And you're told, if you push this button, uh, you're going to get whatever it is, a million dollars, and someone you don't know will die. Okay. So, and you have like, I, I don't, I can't remember if there's a time limit or whatever on it. So in the original, in the Twilight Zone episode, I, I want to say original, but I don't know if it's the original. In the Twilight Zone episode, like, this family, and it's like this big, stupid-looking prop button. The family debates it, and then eventually someone, I think it's the wife, but I can't remember, just like slams the button down. And then, like the next day, someone shows up at their door, and they're like, here's a million dollars. And they give the guy the the box, the button back, and he goes, thank you very much, and I'm going to pass this on to the next person. And I assure you, it'll be someone you don't know. Twilight Zone twist. And in the movie, the way they get beyond that is it turns out this is like on some people all around the world are getting this button and it's some like alien race testing the morals of humanity. So they're gathering data on how many people around the world are going to push this button. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Uh, Brian, what's popping? What's popping for me is a British miniseries called Quiz, Hmm. which it is basically, it's a three-part thing that's airing on, I think it's AMC, but I don't know because who has cable anymore? But you can buy it on, you know, whatever. And it is about a cheating scandal in the original British who wants to be a millionaire. And it's, you know, shit, I'm a sucker for like a good British miniseries. And... Mm -hmm. Rachel and I watched the first episode. I think there are two episodes out now. And I was so impressed by how it's like, it's very self-aware and funny. And it's got Michael Sheen as 
the host of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and he's great. It's just a really fun, interesting, and compelling story. But I, I, I was struck by like, oh, this is weird and funny, and I really, really like it. It's like very mannered. Yeah, it's a good combo of things. Yeah, I it's it, it's a kind of humor that I haven't seen in a while. There's like clear visual jokes. It's sort of a period piece, like late 90s England. I, I really, really liked it. So we're one episode in, and they haven't even gotten to the cheating scandal yet. They're just kind of setting up the groundwork, but it's I'm really enjoying it. So that's what's up for me. That's fun. I, I hadn't heard about that at all. Yeah, I think it it like it just started. It's it's three weeks, I think. So it just came out. First one came out last week, and it was a good like distraction. I've had such hard a hard time picking like stuff to watch that's new and interesting. My default is just going back to the office again, as so many people's are. But this was like the perfect level of like I don't have to think too hard about it. It's fun. It's a little bit light. It's it's just great. Yeah, I really recommend it. There's a really interesting phenomenon about a whole generation that has endlessly rewatched The Office. I think there's something about the ending of it coinciding with with the rise of streaming services and especially it's sort of uh, being on Netflix for so long where like yeah. I don't it, it's it's so much more weirdly common than I would have expected to the point where it's like I don't know. I've been I've dated a lot of people where the default is like Let's just fall asleep to the office. Like, fuck it. Who cares? Yeah. Um, it, it, it's just like noise, like familiar noise. It, totally. I'm up to, and this is now my second rewatch, I'm up to season eight, which is the worst season by a long shot. Yeah. I always stop after Michael leaves. It's still got a lot of great stuff. James Spader is pretty bonkers as Robert California, but... Yeah, it's it gets pretty rough for about a season, but because I am a completist at heart, I cannot restart it until I'm done with every episode. Like I just yeah, I can't do it. it I I would be upset at myself. I don't think I can do it anymore. I'll have to wait like five years before I can even touch it again because I've oh I've seen it like no exaggeration like over a dozen times to the point where I just kind of hate it now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, and especially cause Jim and Pam are my most hated TV characters of all time. Really interesting. I fucking hate them. I think they're the worst TV couple. I just like, and they're so fucking obnoxious, especially in the later seasons. They get much worse as it goes on. Once that second kid comes around, then it's like, all right, guys. I forgot that they had a second kid. I had forgotten this line. It's now one of my favorite, like sitcom lines of all time. Uh, it's one of the two episodes with Timothy Oliphant as uh, Denny Cordray, I believe is his name, like the the hot salesman guy. And Dwight and Jim see him, like, and they, you know, they pull each other, or Dwight pulls Jim around the corner, and he's like, okay, stop. Like, we got to impress this guy. I know exactly the thing to say. And so they walk into the waiting room, and Dwight loudly goes, yeah. And that's when she said, that's the biggest penis I've ever seen. And, <laughs> and I said... I know. That's why I took you to the Penis Museum where tickets are a thousand dollars. The show has just some of the so best TV funny. writing ever. It's oh. so tightly written and it's inspired me so much, but I'm just like, oh, I'm so fucking sick of it. Yeah. We've said this on the show before, especially on the Anthony Carboni episode, but I do think Dinner Party is just like one of the best episodes of anything. It's incredible. Everything about it is the best. 
just watching Michael stand there and sadly watch that tiny TV is, oh, <laughs> I love it. I will always love it. Incredible. I guess we don't have to explain to a guest what peaches and lemons is, but if this is the the gross episode that you have somehow stumbled upon as your first listen of this podcast, I am sorry. It is not normally like this. And also, since we're doing two at once, it's like, listen to the other one. <laughs> other yeah. one's way better. Yeah, it's a lot funnier. Um, yeah. Do that as a palate cleanser if you're going to listen to this one. Anyway, so... Hopefully this isn't your first time listening to the show, but for anybody unaware, Peaches, we're not doing lemons right now, but Peaches is just us sharing things that we're, three things that we're grateful or excited for, or nice things that happen. So Brian, what are you, Peaches? First Peach, Audrey lost another tooth and Yay. she, it fell, I was real loose and then she like hug tackled me. She ran at me from behind <laughs> and slammed into me and she, and then went, huh! and she was holding a tooth. Didn't hurt at all. It was just very exciting. So she lost a tooth. And as before, I made a little puzzle for her to figure out and took the tooth and left her a dollar and quarters because we don't have dollar bills right now. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, why, why would you have them? And a little like code puzzle that she was very excited about doing. Wow. That's, that's two in how many weeks has it been? I think it's two months. It might not be quite that, but ish. Oh, my perception of time is so fucked. Yeah, she definitely lost the first tooth before she turned six, and that was about three weeks ago now. So, yeah. It might be closer to a month, yeah. Everything just slips by. I know. God. But that's wonderful. Yes, I'm very, very excited about it. What are the positions of the ones that she's lost? Front, bottom two are now gone. <laughs> that's such a precious combo. It's so cute. That kid is so fucking cute. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just very exciting. That with the kindergarten graduation, she feels like just the biggest kid in the world. It's it's really fun. <laughs> Other peaches. Okay, so this is a Stardew Valley-related thing. Uh, Fuck yeah. For most of my time, up until about last week, I did not give a shit about giving gifts. I, like, wasn't interested in it. And, <laughs> like, I don't care what the villagers think of me. They can like me. They they can't, maybe not. They can throw their one written line at you. Yeah, exactly. And then I discovered that to get the good recipes, you need to start getting them to like you. And I was like, all right, I'm turning on the charm. And I don't have anyone up to 10 hearts yet, but I did just buy a bouquet for, okay, so Layton, who am I going to give that bouquet to first? Hmm. Hmm. The scientist lady is married. Leah? Correct. Got him. <laughs> Correct. Now, uh, because it's Audrey's character, not that this is at all relevant, but we are playing as a female character named Arizondo, which was the name Audrey came up with. A fucking awesome name. How is that spelled? A-R-I-Z-O-N-D-O. But... I think Arizondo and Leah are about to uh, take things up to the next level. So that's awesome. I something that I really like is on my first few playthroughs at Romance Shane. Oh yeah, 
I love a disaster man. Yes. Uh, just as in real life. Um, but th- this <laughs> this last one I was romancing Leah, and I really like that her plot is like just canon. You know, she has like an ex girlfriend. Yes, I just got to that cutscene like yeah yesterday. Yeah. It's nice. The writing in that game leaves something to be desired, but it doesn't really matter because the rest of it's so good, and that's not really what the game is for anyway. That's true, and it feels sort of on purpose clunky, which is I think what saves it a little bit. Yeah. Absolutely. It's very, like, to the point. Yeah. Next in line after Leah is Maru, who I like her whole science vibe. Oh, yeah. And then everyone else is, like, way down. I can't even remember who's at. I think Elliot is after her in terms of where I am with them. My easiest strat for getting everybody is you go to the bar at night, you hit Shane and Pam with beers, you hit... Yep. Blue hair with salad. You hit Leah with salad. I forget what else. I think you can give Clint a beer and he's okay with it. But it's, you know, you just knock out a bunch in a row. Sebastian is hard because I can never find him. Yeah, he never comes out. He's always in his in his bedroom. Man, buying beers for Pam. Like, she should not be driving a bus. I'm sure people have said this, but like... <laughs> Same with Shane. Yes. I felt legitimately bad about giving Pam her fucking pale ale while she was waiting in front of the bus. I was like, oh. Yeah. Well, something that really irritates me, and I've seen this take over and over and over of people being like, why doesn't Shane stop drinking when you marry him? It's fucked up that he's still drinking. And it's like, how do you think alcoholism works? Yeah. For the love of God. Yeah. On the side note of people knowing when to shut the fuck up, maybe that's one you should shut the fuck up about. (laughs) Just like, maybe if you don't have an understanding of alcoholism, maybe just yeah, don't talk about zip it. it. I did also, just another, it's not directly relevant to that, but it's a Stardew Valley thing. I did reach level 100 in the Skull Caverns. So that was a, that was a big oh, day nice. for me. All right, so my third peach is, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a science thing, but not really. All the protesting and stuff uh, really seems like it is pervading communities that ha- have not felt compelled to take action before. And uh, in particular, it has made its way to particle physics, which is awesome. Like, it's pretty easy, you know, especially for theoretical physicists to just be like, look, what we do has nothing to do with the real world. Like, forget all that stuff. I'm just going to sit here and math all the time. This is actually will have happened by the time this comes out. But on Wednesday, June 10th, they're doing something they're calling the the strike for black lives, where they're basically doing like a one-day pause on all academic activities so that people can go do work directly towards racial justice. And it's really, it's so encouraging. They have a whole petition and all these people that have signed on, including the the archive, the preprint server where all the papers are posted. And it's just so great to see this community, which is, it's overwhelmingly you know, white cishet males. And the protest is led by a bunch of people, but a lot of other people have have co-signed. And it's just really, really great to see all these theoretical physicists standing up for something. So it's it, it makes me happy. I'm not really a part of that community anymore, but it's a great thing and it's important to do. So academics can be very weird and very regressive in their politics. Uh, they're not like conservative. They, they're just they're kind of out of it which is bad. So it's nice to see people actually doing something uh, for once. So that's my third peach. That's awesome. Yeah. Leighton, what are your peaches? My first peach is I just got a box delivered. I used to knit a lot um, and I'm not good at it. And I never really knitted anything of 
the, you know, substance. Like I just kind of like to do a scarf because it's the, it's the motion of doing it, not actually making the thing because it requires too much attention for me to be like, ah, yes, here's where I do this stitch and here's where I do this stitch. But I just got a box with a bunch of knitting needles and some yarn and I'm, I'm excited to get back into that because it's the thing I really enjoy doing. It's very soothing. I'm going to try to do some more like challenging stuff. I think I'm going to try to make an Afghan oh, um, with, wow. with some pretty yarn I got. Yeah. And then I can't wait for maybe to just fucking eat it. <laughs> yep. As she is wont to do. My second peach is, so I made a bunch of flyers with like QR codes for like, you know, finding places to read like texts on the history of racial injustice and donate stuff to um, bail funds and all that. Yeah, those are great. Uh, and I went around my neighborhood a couple of days ago, putting them up. And as we were putting them up, like a lot of people came up and took pictures of them or like took off the little tear off strips. But we stopped at a bunch of businesses and asked them if they wanted to take any to hang up. And we went to um, the tea place that I've mentioned on the show before that I really liked. And the usual people who work there were there and I haven't seen them in a while. So it was nice to catch up. And we gave them some flyers and I was able to give them a big tip because I just I, I do not want that place to close very desperately. Um, and then they ended up giving us a bunch of uh, tea steeped eggs and like cookies as thanks. And they're just such sweet people. And I'm always excited to see them. Nice. Yeah. And then my third peach is... On Saturday, I was a part of Hot Gamers for Justice, which is really cool. It's <laughs> the best name. I love that name. Oh, it's amazing. Um, before they were Hot Gamers for Bernie, um, and then they did like a nice COVID stream. But it, it's a bunch of really cool game dev folks who just kind of come together and do a, um, not 24 hours, but like, you know, very long charity stream where everybody gets an hour long block and they were, um, they invited me to come do an hour. So I was uh, on with a few people doing Dead by Daylight. So like, thank you to Dante and Apple Cider Witch and everybody who I'm forgetting because they ended up raising $30,000 for mutual aid funds wow. and uh, bail funds. And, you know, I can't take, I can barely take any credit for that, but I was just really glad to be a part of it and um, happy to see that it had such a large, like generous turnout. That's so great. So yeah, those are my three. Yeah. The fucking rules. I love it. Well, this was a roller coaster of an episode. Yeah. Uh, so when everybody hears this, uh, we didn't say this up top, but we said it uh, at some point, I think you said it, this will be the second episode that you get in one day because we hit pause last week for obvious reasons. So hopefully this wasn't too gross. I'm very curious what people think about this. And how much of this actually remains in the episode. <laughs> yes, it might be a five minute episode once we edit out all the stuff we're not comfortable saying because it's too nasty. So let us know, you know, what you think. We do have a Patreon, so please join us over there. We have a great Discord, which is a, a good way to reach both of us and and as well as a lovely community of people. So no matter what your opinion is, we want to hear it. So if you sign up for our Patreon, you can join the Discord and uh, and talk to us and others uh, over there. Again, thank you so much to our mods, um, Drizzly Barry and Levi. Y'all are both wonderful and are doing a great job. So thank you. Yeah. For sure. But yeah, guys, as always, like stay safe. Uh, you know, I, who knows what the fuck is going to happen between now and when this thing comes out, because stuff is moving pretty quick right now. But, you know, if you're out there protesting and making a difference and uh, and everything like that, thank you for for putting yourself on the line. Yeah. You know, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Black Lives Matter. Is this the end of the podcast? This is the end of the podcast. Goodbye. Goodbye. Leighton Night is produced by Brian Wecht, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore Night, or email us at LeightonKnight at gmail.com. <laughs>